following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. The reading this morning is from John chapter 6. Uh, because the projector's out, I'd invite you to open your Bibles or your phones. Uh, John 6, 22 through 71. If you didn't know chapters could go that high, I didn't either. Some beautiful teachings from Jesus in this chapter. Hear now the word of the Lord. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do, that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. 
This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. This is the word of the Lord. Appreciate it, brother. That was a whole mouthful. Well, that's the word of the Lord. I just want to welcome you guys again for joining us for worship. Whether you're a guest, a member, or kind of find yourself in between, we're grateful to have you here uh, this morning. Uh, we are continuing in our series in the Gospel of John, and I hope that we all have came come, I should say, hungry. But before we move forward, let us go to the Lord who feeds us with his word and prayer. Pray with me. Father, we do thank you for your living word. We just ask that you would do what you do best. Pierce our hearts and our minds. I pray you subdue distractions, and may we see you, hear from you, and obey you accordingly. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, on this day, 
it's only fitting that I, I give a shout out to a special woman in my life. No, it's not my wife, Ebony. It's uh, my mama, uh, Barbara Henderson. So this is the woman who carried me for nine months. She had me. Um, she said I was 10 pounds and six ounces or something like that. So uh, yeah, she's a strong woman. But um, my mama caught wind, this is just a side note, she caught wind that I typically use her in a lot of my uh, stories and my illustrations when I preach. And she said, Tess, I'm gonna start charging you to use my name in your sermons. <laughs> so we still negotiating the terms, but I think she'll be okay with today um, because she's not actually listening, so I'll be good. Just don't say nothing. I remember growing up, and I just hit that teenage stage. And I was a growing boy, I hit my growth spurt, and I just had this unending appetite. I mean, I was a bottomless pit. And for me, I was very selective about the things that I ate. Uh, here, here was my list. Uh, candy, uh, more specifically, uh, Reese's, peanut butter cups. Um, I got an amen, keto. Um, Hot Pockets, ramen noodles, and peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Like, if, if the house was stocked with those things, I was good to go. The world owed me nothing. So I remember I came home from school one day, and I had baseball practice, and so I was famished. I was hungry. And I went to the, the kitchen. I opened up the fridge. Ah, I don't see my Hot Pockets. Okay. Go to the cabinet. Okay. Go to the pantry, and none of my go-tos were there. And so I began to kind of freak out and panic, you know. And I'm waiting on my mama to get home from work. And as soon as she got home from work, I say, Mama, we ain't got no food. She said, Boy, stop playing. We got food. She said, Go downstairs in that deep freezer, get that meat out the freezer, and bring it upstairs. And she said, When you do that, go to the pantry, get a few potatoes. She said, After you do that, get a can good of string beans, let me see what I can make happen. So I went to my room, and I don't know if I was doing homework, watching TV, or whatever. But I began to smell them butter, garlic, mashed potatoes she was whipping up. And I also began to smell those seasonings that she was putting in that brown gravy for the, that seared cube steak. And then eventually, she called, she said, Tess, the food ready, come eat. So I rushed to the kitchen, I grabbed a plate, I filled my plate, I eventually filled my stomach, had seconds, maybe thirds. And I looked at my mama and said, Mama, you made it happen again. She said, boy, that's what I do. I said, yeah, that's what you do. But she also said, she said, Tess, you know you need that food that stick to your ribs, right? I said, yeah, Mama, you're right. And at the time, I, I didn't really know what she meant when she said I need food that sticks to my ribs. But now that I'm a parent, I know what she, what she means. Uh, I got picky children, I love them to death, but they too have their own selection of foods. But when I think back on my mama when she made that, that comment, I need food to stick to my ribs, what my mama was doing, she was helping me readjust my appetite. She was broadening my, my horizon. She was introducing me to more and more foods that had more sustenance. It was, it was better in nutritional value. And to be quite honest, it was way more filling. But if we just camp out on that, on that thought, and we looked at our spiritual lives, 
there's a very close parallel. And whether you want to admit it or not, we're all hungry spiritually. So what does that look like? That we go after that thing or that person or that, that experience to, to try to field or replenish or satisfy that hunger at our deepest need, and we realize it ain't hidden like it's supposed to be hidden. But God, God wants us to readjust our appetites because God knows exactly what our souls need at the deepest level. And in our text, the first 14 verses in John chapter 6, we read about the miracle as our brother Sergi preached about last week about Jesus feeding over 5,000 people with five pieces of bread and a couple pieces of fish. And, you know, I think about, man, if you was getting married, uh, Spencer, Carolina, I thought I saw him. Talk about Jesus being your caterer. I mean, he making a lot out of little. He turned water into wine. So you got the wine on deck. You got the, anyway, take note, Denise. Um But Jesus is the talk of the town. He got thousands of people following him. But not everybody who was following Jesus had the same appetite. Some people were following Jesus merely because of the physical food that he offered. But some, some were following Jesus because they wanted more than food, because they wanted to be replenished. They wanted to be satisfied spiritually. Jesus knows what we need. And I want to submit to us this main idea for our text this morning which is our soul's hunger is satisfied by trusting only Jesus, who is the bread of life. Our soul's hunger is satisfied by trusting only Jesus, who's the bread of life. And I want us to see how Jesus is wanting to readjust our appetites for the eternal bread. First, we want to see how Jesus warns us against chasing the temporal bread. Secondly, we want to see how Jesus invites us to consume the eternal bread. And then lastly, we'll see how Jesus challenges us to evaluate our trust in him. First, Jesus warns us against chasing the temporal bread of life. And if you read closely John one thing you will pick up in John is that Jesus' deity is on full display. And one particular way we learn about Jesus' deity is that he has perfect knowledge of man. I mean, he knows our hearts. He knows your assumptions. He knows your motives. He knows your intentions. And Jesus places his divine finger on the core values of all humanity. And here we have this crowd of a thousand of people, and they just, they just have eaten. They got to-go bags. They got enough to go back home and, and to, to feed their family. But they want more. They want more physical food. And they find Jesus... They say, Rabbi, where have you been? How did you get over here across the sea? 
Jesus, knowing man, he, he cuts straight to the point. He exposes their real intentions of seeking him. We see, if you have your copy of God's word, we see it in verse 26. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So how are we to interpret this response of Jesus? I mean, it's, it's safe to say Jesus doesn't have a, uh, his main issue isn't with them wanting to go to him for physical food. I mean, how many of us, not a show of hands, but how many of us right now, we have a physical need or material need that we're hoping God to provide for so that's not the main issue. After all, God wants us to, to come to him with our physical needs because he's the creator of the universe. And he's a generous God as well. But the core issue Jesus has with this first century audience as well as us downtown church on May, what is it, 8th, 2022, the core issue he has with us is that we become more and more and more concerned with the temporal things, and less and less and less concerned with the spiritual things of God. And this, this warning, Jesus says, he's, he said, don't work for the food that perishes. And on surface, you may be saying, was well, it a bad thing to have a job so I can provide for myself and my family? No, that's not a bad thing. Jesus isn't rebuking us for having jobs to provide for our families or for ourselves to buy food that will eventually expire and perishes. But his emphasis is on how we make something good and temporal the very ultimate. Because anything temporal, anything physical or material, it's going to rust away. It's going to fade. It has an expiration date. But ultimately, it has no eternal value. Jesus warns us of chasing this temporal bread. I mean, look around. We live in a culture, I believe, that glorifies this ideology of, of working tirelessly, anxiously, to build and to invest in the material at the expense of investing and our spiritual well-beings at the expense of investing in a relationship with the creator of the universe. Let me step down, look closer, and identify just a few ways we can give ourselves to the temporal bread. What about our physical appearance? Our bodies, they fluctuate up and down, we age, we hurt, we break things, and we begin to look around and compare ourselves to other people. Man, I wish I was as slim as this person. Man, I wish I had his muscles. Man, I wish I had her curves. Man, I wish I was more beautiful. I wish I was more this. And we look ourselves in the mirror, we say, you're not good enough. When we place that type of value on our physical experience, it always leads to disappointment. Now, I'm not saying let's just kick the physical and let's be super spiritual. 
Because God's word, through Paul, he even said, our physical care, it has some value. But godliness, godliness has value in this life and a life to come. Maybe it's not your physical appearance. Maybe you're completely confident in that. What about our finances, our investments? Something good can be good, but it becomes the very source of your anxiety when you lay your head on a pillow. It's something that can burden you when you wake up. You, you checking your phone and you checking the various accounts and you say to yourself, if I could just have a little bit more, just, just a little bit more. We create this habit of accumulating or we create this habit of managing our finances out of fear, out of greed, out of insecurity, instead of faith. Jesus warns us, he said, what profits a person? If they gain the whole world, you got all the best investments in the whole world, but you forfeit and lose your own soul. It always leads to disappointment. It wasn't made to satisfy you at your deepest need. What about our sexual experiences? Sex was created by God to be good in the right context. And that context is between a married man and a married woman. But sex itself is a temporal bread that will perish. And it doesn't matter if you single or you're married. When we idolize sex, people become objects. People become objects that we want to consume for our own selfish gain. So our sexual desires become our God. And they make lousy gods. Jesus is warning us against this temporal bread. And I know I'm just scratching the surface. There's, there's so many other temporal breads that you may be wrestling with or struggling with right now. These temporal breads, they, they, they call for our attention every single day. They want our commitment. They try to lure us in. They overpromise and underdeliver. It always leads to, to disappointment. Jesus is calling these things out in our lives because of love. He said, the energy that we give these things, it ain't worth it <laughs> because I have something better. He said he has the food that endures into eternal life. That's the food that he's offering. Lead us to our second point in our text, which is Jesus invites us to consume him, the living bread. Jesus, in verse 35, boldly proclaims, I am the bread of life. And this I am is the first of the seven I am statements in John, which we will eventually see as we continue to make our way through the book of John. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. This was a very intentional statement. Jesus never wastes his statements. But when he said that, the Jewish audience, they, they probably resonated with that I am statement back in the Old Testament. And so if you allow me, let me just refresh our Old Testament biblical knowledge. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 3. Do you remember when Moses had the encounter with God in the burning bush? 
And Mo Moses was graciously chosen by God to be the very person that would deliver the Israelites out of the oppressive hand of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And so they having this dialogue. Moses like, okay, I got you. Okay. But I got a question for you. When I go and do all these things that you told me I would do, and they ask, who sent you? What should I say, God? God tell Moses, he says, tell the people of Israel, I am, has sent me to you. I am. Brothers and sisters, God gave his people this, this name, I am. It's, it's inexhaustible. But through the, the Spirit's help, through other faithful biblical scholars, other brothers and sisters that have gone before us, we can learn in this powerful name, these, these two words, we can learn that God is telling us, I am who I am. In other words, God is saying, I am eternally God. I am all-knowing. I am all-powerful. I am sufficient within myself. I, I am everywhere at all times. I am what I am. But God, God brags on himself. <laughs> Rightfully so, right? Because he's all there plus some more. But the thing about God, Chester, is this. He doesn't just kind of hold on to these, to all his goodness, right? But he extends them graciously and generously for us to experience. No matter if you're a Christian or non-Christian, we're all beneficiaries of God's benevolence. I mean, do, do anybody have a testimony in here as of late of being a beneficiary of God's powerful work in your life? Looking at your communities, looking at your family, being in a financial bond saying, God, I'm looking at this account, and I need a miracle for you to do what you do. Anybody got a testimony in your marriage on the verge of divorce and God stepped in and delivered you? Anybody got a testimony of a physical ailment? Doctor said one thing, but the great physician said a whole completely different thing, and he healed you. Does anybody have a testimony? This is the, the great I am. God's been showing off from the beginning of time. Especially when we read about the Israelites who were in exile for 40 years. 40 years they were in exile in the wilderness. There wasn't a Kroger, Whole Foods, Super Low Surgery for them to go to to get food. They were completely dependent upon I am daily provisions. And six out of the seven days out of the week, he provided manna from the heavens to nourish them physically. So take this account. Now let's go back to John chapter six. Jesus is drawn from this biblical account. But Jesus says, I am the bread of heaven, not like the manna that your fathers ate and they died. One biblical scholar wrote, 
This bread does what no other bread, including even the manna from heaven, has ever done or can ever do. The living bread imparts and sustains spiritual life. It banishes spiritual death. Jesus, he, he, he doesn't just bring a different kind of bread. Jesus is the bread. He's the bread that always sustains. He's the bread that always satisfies. He's the bread that leads us to eternal life. That one day when he calls us home or come back, we will continue to feast on this bread in a glorified state. So how do we receive this bread? How do we take this bread in? Jesus makes it clear. He says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Okay, y'all don't, that reaction. Okay, so I guess that makes sense to y'all. Okay. Eat my flesh and drink my blood? You talking about a head scratcher? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Let me just briefly, briefly discuss what he's not talking about. He's not on some cannibalistic, you know, come eat my elbow, get my calf muscle, come get a pinky, and y'all be good. He, he's not endorsing cannibalism. He's not also primarily talking about the Lord's Supper. Occasionally, we have the Lord's Supper communion when we come up and we take bread and we take the cup. This isn't his primarily message that he's relaying. Although these, these are not uh, completely unrelated, but what is he referring to? Jesus is making an emphasis on the spiritual act of trust and belief. In other words, to eat and drink is synonymous with trusting and believing. But this belief, this belief, it, it doesn't just happen. We can't will ourselves to believe. He told us, John chapter 6, verse 44, unless, that's conditional, unless the Spirit draw you, you ain't coming. <laughs> Think about the people that were in this text. When they heard Jesus telling them to eat his flesh, to drink his blood, they were offended. How could you say that? Because their hearts was hardened, and it manifested in pride. So we need the Spirit. We need him to do a work. We need him to enable our hard hearts to be softened, to come. We need him to, sh to show us how desperate we are. We eat. Jesus made it possible for our relationship, for our souls to be restored in God. We eat. We eat his body. His, his body was, was broken so that we may be made whole. His, his body was, was crushed by the Father's hand so that we may be spared and not be crushed by the Father's hand and endure that wrathful, just consequence of our sins. We eat his body. We drink his blood. Oh, that, that, that precious blood that was shed in the most gruesome way. It's the precious blood that, that cleanses our lustful hearts, our lustful minds, and our lustful eyes. 
It's that precious blood that cleanses the races from their arrogant and prideful ways. It's that precious blood that redeems us from that bondage of perfectionism. You ain't got to be the perfect mama. It's impossible. You don't have to be the perfect teacher. You don't have to be the perfect dad. You don't have to be the perfect daughter. The blood, it redeems us from that bondage. It's that precious blood that, that cleanses the mouth of the gossiper instead of speaking slander and, and lies and death. We can speak life. It's the blood that, that made peace between the worst of sinners. Amen. Ortez is the first to commit, uh, confess that. It's that blood that made peace with the worst of sinners with a perfect and holy God. Brothers and sisters, this is good news. Y'all real quiet. Maybe y'all used to this. By faith, we consume, we eat, and there's this beautiful, mysterious union that we become one with God. It's this union that says when, when Christ died, we died too. And this union, when, when Christ was raised, we raised too. It's this beautiful union when Christ come back and he appears, guess what? We will appear with him in glory. <laughs> it's an inseparable union. No, nobody can, can, can revoke it. Not even on your worst day. God isn't sitting back saying, ah, why did I save? <laughs> why did I save him again? I made a mistake. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nobody can snatch you out of his hand. You're his forever. Christ invites us to consume, to feast on this good news. You may be saying, Ortez, I hear you. But man, sometimes I always feel satisfied with Christ. Sometimes I don't feel like feasting on him. Sometimes I become hangry spiritually. Kind of like physically you become hangry. Um, anybody live with somebody that, never mind, I ain't going to do that. Um, you know, when you hangry, you, you get hungry, you get irritable. You know what I'm saying? You get some of your stomach, hold you over, get your blood sugar leveled out. Ebony, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to wrap this up. My time is uh, uh but you need something to just hold you over, right? I believe we can get hangry spiritually. We, we go over to the temporal breads, that person, that thing, and we say, feed me. I need some, I need some quick satisfaction. And it doesn't cut it. And you see the effects in your spiritual life. You become irritable. You feel empty. So let me just give you just a, a, a quick little survival kit when you experience that hangryness spiritually. What we doing right now, church, 
it's not about just coming just to hear a good sermon. It, it's not about, man, I hope Adriana knew playing my, my favorite song today. It's not even about, hey, we got some good brunch plans, so as soon as church get over, we're going to, you know, head out, get some food. Coming to church, it's not a burdensome task. Why? Because our identity, we're, all, we're the church. So in other words, when we gather, we're just embodying who we already are. The identity that God has placed on his covenant people. God loves us so much. He gives us so many different scriptures and exhortations about not neglecting a meeting with one another because we need to be nourished more than you realized. Another way, his word. Feast on his word. He tells us in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, man should not live off bread alone, but what? Every word that come out of God's mouth. And do you know the context? This is our Savior himself in the wilderness fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And if Jesus is dependent upon the word more than he is about food, how much more are we? I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters. This is the act of worship that we constantly, we take in the means that God has given us to nourish us spiritually. But not only that, it's so that we can serve and love other people. I mean, when people look at your life, the people who are closest in your life, do they smell the aroma of the living bread on your life? When people look at your life, can they see something different about the decisions you make? How you orient your life around God, not just adding a little bit of God, a little bit of Christ, a little bit of Jesus into your life. Ain't nothing more beautiful than to hear somebody ask the question, Nay, it's, it's something different about you, bro. It, Michelle, it's something different about you. I don't know what it is, but I would love to just talk to you and ask you, what do you have? Because I want it. <laughs> Jesus invites us to consume him. And lastly, we see that Jesus challenged us to evaluate our faith in him. If we look at our text, I would say there are three groups of people in our text, and they all came to different conclusions about what Jesus was saying about himself. The first group was the group that came, and they complained. They grumbled. They were offended of what Jesus was saying come eat my flesh, come drink my blood. This is the way to everlasting life. They weren't about their life. They chose not to eat, but they chose to starve themselves spiritually. There's a second group. This second group were actually called disciples, which I found that interesting. But these were the people who were disciples by association. They like being around Jesus. But when Jesus drew the line in the sand, it was very evident that they were after Jesus' provision. They weren't after Jesus himself. Jesus draws that hard line in the sand. He challenged them 
if you will have eternal life, you must completely trust in me. Surrender. It's like, hey, you asking for a lot. John tells us in verse 66 that the disciples left Jesus and no longer walk with him. They weren't really authentic disciples. Did y'all get that? You could be associated <laughs> with a lot of Christian things and not really be a disciple inwardly. And lastly, this third group, we, we find this intimate dialogue about this third group in verses 66 through 70. It says, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and had come to know that you are the Holy One of God. They were desperate. They humbled themselves. They were no longer interested in building their lives on just temporal bread. Jesus met them where they were. He gave them significance. He gave them real acceptance, real satisfaction. And they say, Jesus, we, we following you. Which of those groups do you find yourself in today? My plea with you is that you will come, you will taste and see that the Lord is good. He's good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us the living bread. You are the living bread. They asked, what work should we do? What do you require? You said belief. I pray you would give us that belief. Maybe for the first time, maybe yet again, that our appetites will shrink, will be turned off by building our lives on the temple bread, but we will feast, we will be satisfied on the eternal bread who is you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I invite you to stand as you receive the Lord's blessing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace.